0: Everybody, it's Play Games Lose Friends. Thanks for joining us again on this wonderful Thursday evening. I am Ryan, as always, here with Ken. This is episode 38. That's right. Wait, is it
1: 38? I, I think, think it's 37. 37. Yeah. Am I wrong? 37.
0: I don't know. I wrote <laughs> stuff down when we were going to record the first time, and then I. Hold on. You know, me... <laughs> we didn't record. 37. 37.
1: Was I right with it's 37? Getting up there. Yeah,
0: you were right. Well, I wrote it down, and then I wrote another one down for thirty-eight. So I must have been planning (laughs) ahead for the next episode.
1: Oh, that's how good we are, everyone. We have a lot Uh, of plans, a lot of plans, a lot of plans. We we plan ahead. (laughs) We do. So we
0: are going to talk tonight about the usual stuff, but also a very special guest joined us uh, not too long ago, Pablo Clark, lead designer and artist for the game The Old King's Crown, which is going to go up on Kickstarter this month. And we got the chance to sit down. And talk with Pablo, and they were so kind as to provide us with a press prototype, which is really awesome of them to do. Um, a small show like this, you never know what you're going to get, and they were very, uh, very giving with it. And so we got a chance to play, and we're going to talk about that after we play through uh, Pablo's interview, who uh, just was an awesome guy to talk to. I thought, like, we, we we're lucky. We interview a lot of really good people, and Pablo Dude, was another one we- that just was great.
1: We have not had a bad interview. If I'm not I'm not trying to brag, I'm I'm usually a very humble person, but I I I think our interviews have been fantastic and the stuff we've got lined up with more oh, I'm so excited. It's such a Yes, good time. there are have really two more coming uh, in
0: the near future, I love this and probably a third. It's great. It's great. And everybody has been awesome, and Pablo's been no exception. And we were super excited to talk Old King's Crown with him, too. So we are very thankful he joined us, and we're going to get to that in a little bit. But before we do, let's get into the normal topics. Uh, we'll talk about a little bit of drinky drink, get into what we played, and then we'll kind of give you a preview of what the Old King's Crown is, and then we'll dive into the interview So uh, and share some thoughts about our playthrough after that. So just for clarification, we got what? one small taste on Tabletop Simulator, a larger yeah, taste we did, on Tabletop we, Simulator, and then a full yeah, game did, played.
1: Yep, we did week. some TTS, and then we did a full four-player game. Um, And then we've um, both studied the rulebook <laughs> as if it was, <laughs> you know, uh, an, a, a... Scripture. You know, an open book test down the road, right? Like, yes. so
0: good. <laughs> Uh, and I'll just say now we'll get there later, but my God, the rule book was very good. Like, oh, I don't play tons of press prototypes and I would imagine not all of them have finished rule books, but this thing felt solid. It was so good. But anyway, we'll get there in a bit. Let's talk about what we're drinking. The most, second most important thing of the evening beyond the old king's crown. Uh, I'll start because I'm drinking something you gave me. It is, uh, really unusual. Sour. I guess, yeah, it's a sour. Mm-hmm. It's a Kiffle Kitchen Bakery brew from Brewdash's, which, which is so Kiffle Kitchen is
1: local to us. Yes,
0: yeah, and uh, it's good. Uh, the apricot one is what I'm drinking now. Ap- apricot, apricot, uh, is apricot,
1: that regional. Apricot. I think it's, I think it's apricot. Do we have like a PA version? Like, although I say apricot. Although I say asparagus, so I don't know if I'm the best well, person you like to, to mangle words.
0: <laughs> like, I do the same thing, and it drives my children insane. I think that's like a dad thing, honestly.
1: Maybe I'm wrong. I've been mangling words most of my life. <laughs> just because yeah. I think it's funny. <laughs> like It just so happens that the kids are cool with it, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brad, uh, Brad's brad got one that his, his kids use that they find hilarious that he said once. Instead of Old Navy, he calls it... Mold gravy <laughs> or old baby, I think is the other one. Nice. I, mean, I don't know. It's it's weird. We come up with weird stuff. But anyway, delicious. Uh it is a sour. It definitely tastes like apricot. And when I poured this thing it was like this thick apricot sludge just came out of the bottom and added all the sediment and goodness that you would want in really any kind of fruited beer. So yeah. um there's almost a kiffle in every can. <laughs> it's, if you uh, if you look at the sediment that's formed around the outside of the can, I
1: don't. Your think grandma I'm, would be proud.
0: <laughs> I'm waiting for a, a hunk of dough to fall out when I, you know, pour the last bit into my glass here. But it's very tasty. I think the other one you gave me was was it raspberry? It's got to be yeah. Raspberry, so right. So the,
1: uh, so the Kiffle Kitchen uh, beers were a gift, um, for me. You know, my wife got them as a gift for me. Uh, not knowing that. And you're re gifting? Had- well, I'm sharing. <laughs> I'm sharing because, uh, these sours in particular do have lactose. And I have found out the hard way and continue to learn that lesson time over time because I can't not, not try a Makes sour. You your tummy rumble. And then, uh, yes, i become Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> so oh. I take, I take my pants off and I just <laughs> start eating honey. <laughs>
0: Gross! I don't, want to, I don't want to extrapolate what happens after that. Uh, yeah, this is a good beer.
1: Oh, bother! It's
0: it's regional for sure. Uh, so I'm not so sure how available this is. But if you like, uh, you know, sours with fruit, it's a good one. So yep. I appreciate the gift. Thank you. It's very delicious, and lactose is uh, just fine with me.
1: Yes, you have you have an iron gut. I am also sticking with our region, and I am. Drinking what is known as Cruisin' from Funk Brewing. It is a Belgian style white ale. Coming in at a 5.3. And, um, it's, uh, it's very nice. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Funk's products. Um, yeah, they're good. They're, um, their sour line does not have lactose, so I can enjoy all of their sours um their ipas are really good and this was again i'm i remember drinking blue moon in my younger days when blue moon was oh yes know, was a thing a, a classy beer yes the uh you, you, you held That's your pinky out we are. <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> yeah we're so old blue moon used to be like the new trail of today right yeah, yeah. High end beer, right? <laughs> you're like oh my god they have blue moon on the menu right when you go to a restaurant and <laughs> this place is fancy <laughs> yeah um but it's called Cruisin'. it is the uh Belgian style white ale
0: um, not to I'm sound enjoying like it, a, a funk hipster but uh I went there right after they opened and they have come a long way let's just say that uh uh-huh. I would say like well, two of the six beers on tap I had when they opened up were good. the rest were like eh, there was like a chai tea beer that, oh, yeah they get they get elsewhere. a little
1: experimental there's there's definitely a spot of the menu stories I stories. stay away from. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> the lactose.
1: Yes. Um, yeah. Well, they've. Go ahead. Well, so this is, uh, this is amazing, right? So, uh, so they're local to us uh, in Emmaus, Pennsylvania. And guess where they opened a satellite brewery? The Heighton. Close. Slatington. And in Slatington, in the farmers market where I go to wrestling on a monthly basis, Funk's is now How in the same complex. And oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be some good times.
0: Yeah, for you, and yes. for Funk's wallet, <laughs> they they have come a long way with uh, all of their IPAs too. Um, yes. A lot of the the citrus one, I think, is like a staple now on tap. A lot of places. Yeah, they have it
1: everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: they've done a good job. So, cheers to Funk. You guys are pretty funky. Your beer's good. Sorry, that was just too easy of a joke to make. It doesn't really make sense. Oh, that was a funky beer. Yeah, really poor. We're starting off on the wrong foot here.
1: All right. Speak for Um, yourself, dog. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm coming out with both guns blazing. Let's fire hop it into, on the cylinders,
0: <laughs> let's hop into played. Uh, why don't you kick us off this evening? Played. What looks up there other than the old king's crown? What do you got? Oh. well,
1: it's been a while I, well i I unfortunately don't. don't think I have anything played.
0: Right? all right what shows we, over
1: what no i I need, I need since to be spoke packing. last ah. Oh. Come on, what, what? I'm just gonna pick uh, a rando guess, on BGA.
0: P- <clears throat> Can You get on the phone for a
1: while. Can you, Have you ever played Tapestry? Are you good at solo mode? Can you can you swipe right on uh, on BGG yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to get yourself a new podcasting partner? No, I guess I guess games that we that are new, right? Like I've played, you know, Hungry Monkey. Uh, we've played, yeah, we've talked poker, about this. Right? That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I don't think there's yep. a new game that I've played. That we haven't talked about at length. Um, we are for what it's worth. And I'll, you'll start to hear some of this later in the, in the episode. Um, I have started to, um, hunt down some other games that I can, um, and we can get to the table, um, during the week. So that is not our game nights. Yeah, unless changed, unless yeah. I unless I missed something, right? Did I miss? Did I forget something? No, no. I don't so think you think so, get, so but, you were giving me crap, but you're in the same boat, right? Is that how I'm understanding uh, uh, this? Oh no, 100%. I have
0: stuff I played
1: outside of that.
0: Oh, that. oh, but,
1: oh, you yeah. played stuff. Okay, I all did. Right. Yes, I played. So, I
0: I played. Game. One of us has to do it, or this is
1: just, just not worth doing. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. Uh, Welcome to the show.
0: We thought about it for a while, and then we didn't do it. Uh, all right, well, everyone, we, have a great <laughs>
1: night. Yeah, but we don't have a segment where we talk about the friends we've lost, but yet we have yeah, to have a segment true. of the games we've played.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, you know. Maybe we'll have to add that next we're not year. playing Terra if Oh, did that, yeah. Then- <laughs> yeah. I'd be out. <laughs> then you did and you would be out. Yeah. Then you would be lost. Yeah. Yeah, um, um, yeah I was going to say that changes let us know. your buying habit now. It does, right? What, it's interesting because you know, we, I mean, it's not like you didn't look for that, look for that stuff earlier, but it's hard to find that. Type now it's of
1: a thing. Now it's like priority in a way, right? Because like, I, I don't get me wrong. The fact that we get to play games during the week, I love. Like, I don't care what we play. Yeah. I really don't. I really don't. Yeah. But for podcasting and for us <laughs> being game connoisseurs, we have to mix it up. But uh, and
2: so we need to find there. games. Let's be honest. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But we need to find the games, right? Um, that we can get to the table, teach, you know. Um, so we do have some. I think we've got a good. Uh, how do I put this? A uh, a good plan moving forward with some new stuff, which I think will be will be a good time. So yes, uh, which some I'll talk about to talk about. But yes, so Ryan, what have you played?
0: I shall regale you with my tales of gaming. Uh, oh, I'm so, so jealous already. You and I have talked about this one, but I have been – so I picked up my subscription to BGA, which you made fun of me for, but I'm getting my money's worth, damn it. I've been playing <laughs> Tapestry, uh, among other things. I tried Lost Runes of Arnak. I tried Sea Salt and Paper, What do you think about I'm, in a little bit.
1: Oh, I want to talk about Arnak because I just played like, – I
0: didn't play t- it. I'm just, just oh, going to tell you. No, I, didn't. I just started learning – so like the way it works on some of the games is they have like oh, a you have tutorial, to do like a tutorial mode. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. And so I didn't even do that. I just read through the rule book and then did a couple turns to just see like how the client works. So I'm going to revisit that one this weekend probably and try it out. But I am looking forward to playing it, it looks good. Arnak um, is fun.
1: I have I I yeah. own Arnak uh, and I have played through like not necessarily the solo mode for Arnak. I pr- I played to learn the mechanics and the rule book, like as if there was a two player game going on, right? Um, and I really liked what I saw. Um, and there's like two, three expansions out already. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, one I, just came I, out I recently, it. right? Yeah, like just like a couple weeks ago, I think, or last week. Yeah, like it, within ref- the last recent. month, I think. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah, so But
1: I definitely I, I definitely dig it. That's another one. Oh my god, there's too many games, right?
0: I know. That's why I got BGA so I can start playing them and getting my ass kicked by randos on the internet. But that's fine. That's fine. I'm okay with that. I'm secure in my ability to be terrible at strategy games. And that includes tapestry. So I have been trying to play it solo to get a better grokking of the rules and all the other stuff. And I am just getting Bent over the table by this AI, I, I think it's because I don't know how the AI works, and I should be playing against the AI the way it's designed to be played against. I think I'm just going to give up on solo and start playing games against real people because I feel like I have an idea of how to play the game now, at least roughly. Ew,
1: real people, <laughs> yeah.
0: And then I've and then I've, uh, well, you know, that's like a real thing, right? You, you play like a video game or whatever, and you play yeah, solo, and then I'm, you're like, oh I'm my god, I have to. F- yeah. And then you lose and you're like, all right, I'm, I'm fine. And you're really not fine, you know? And, yeah. uh, yeah. I'm well, I've have always, that, but that's okay.
1: I've always joked that some of the stretch goals for some of the games should be like a person that you a can friend. play the game yeah. with. Yeah. Like. The final stretch goal at a million dollars is a friend to play with. Yay. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: going to that's going to up the shipping costs, I think, though, <laughs> to the point where we might not be able to make it happen. But yes, uh I am looking to get started playing against humans and losing okay. that way and learning, but humans. and in my, in my time playing against the AI, I've been like researching a little bit about the game and like why what certain strategies work and what don't and and I'm learning that it doesn't matter. Like I've seen every single possible uh, answer to those questions, and they're yeah. all different. Yeah. And like I'm also learning that like a good score is above 200. I have yet to crack like 150, <laughs> <laughs> so I have so much to go yeah. in that game. But it's been fun to play, and it's fast. You know, you can play a solo game pretty quick on, on like, like, I just run it off an iPad. So it's like super easy and I can play like before bed, but it's been, it's been fun and I, I like it. Um, I like the way it's done in BGA, but I also, I'm enjoying the game too. So I'm glad I'm getting more time in there. Um, also played a little Codenames it- Duet with my wife, which is, it's been a while, um, but we love that game. And occasionally it comes out it's just fun and impossibly hard sometimes.
1: Um, I did uh I actually just posted that the other day to Instagram.
0: Oh nice. Uh, yeah. You're uh, your a shot classic. of of duet. It's uh we have like our little stable of like hey let's play, you know, a game together that's not ours and that's in there and it had been quite some time since we played it so it was like, yeah, let's let's get that out again and it was good. I don't think nice. we want either game though. <laughs> uh
1: it's hard, hard, right? It's a cards. hard version. Yeah, it's a hard yeah. version. Yeah, it is but
0: it's it's the challenge is fun i enjoy it um i also mentioned i played sea salt and paper on bga so uh-huh. i've heard a lot about this game this card game um for the last i don't know 6 is months that the one where you actually out.
1: you cut the you cut the cards up with like a pair of scissors no oh no. sorry no <laughs> Unless well no, I there's just a, c- a rule there's- <laughs> no, no, the, no. The cards feature art of,
0: like, <laughs> origami, right? It's instead of, like, uh, okay. hand-drawn yes, I, art, yeah, I right. believe, yes. the cards have origami, like... Pictures of know, origami. Penguins and octopi and whatnot, and then it's an actual photo of the origami <laughs> taken in, in, you know, a studio or something. But the game play is very different than... I, I thought maybe, you know, it would be like a trick-taker or a ladder game or whatever... It's not, it's it, the functionality of it and the mechanics of it are way different than I expected. Um, I only played twice. So I kind of played one game to learn and then one game to just kind of test it out. Um, but I like what I saw. There's depth to it um, that isn't normally present in some of those types of card games. Like the replayability on it seems very high to me mm, um, okay. because of the way it works. So there's some set collection going on. Um, it's just a, a, interesting mix so that might be one that i actually pick up the physical copy for because i think we would actually have some fun with it um but it is one okay. of those games i can see like replayability is pretty high how many players is a, it does it go up to i 10? honestly did, i honestly don't know um i just tried it at two so i i haven't done enough research to say but i would imagine it's probably i'm guessing four player maybe more i don't know but um it was fun. It was a good game. In fact, let me look real quick. Sea, salt. This is, we gotta stop doing this on the air. Two to four. What is it? That was quick. All right. Um, it would definitely be fun at four. I thought it was fun at two, but it would definitely be fun at four because okay. variability of what you see because you're going through more of the deck and the set collection portion is probably yeah. a little bit more challenging. Um, but it is, it is really cool. I think there's like point scoring that you would normally get and you can, kind of choose when the round ends like a player can kind of choose to end the round um and then also there's a no a whole separate win condition that if one player holds i believe it's mermaids all the mermaids in the deck in their hand they just instantly win the game so there's <laughs> nice there's more than one way to, to tackle the game which i think is cool too i like that about it um
1: i like that it's also, a little bit like a fantasy realm style you know it's, it's right sort of
0: no, I don't. I don't think it's okay. it's m- way more set collection than that. But there is a little bit of that. Like if the mermaid, if you're thinking the mermaid thing, yeah, that that yeah. kind of applies. Like there are certain sets that are more beneficial than others, I think. Um, and then the more you have of a certain set, the more you score, like sushi go or whatever. But yeah, it's it's something we'll have to check out, and maybe something I'll pick up, you know, if I can find it, decent deal, or maybe even at packs. We'll see. Um, I also got to sit down and walk myself through New Leaf and Mistwood, both expansions for Everdell. Um, So I don't even remember how long ago it was. I backed the Everdell baby coffin box that has everything ever made for Everdell plus all kinds of extras in there. Finally, I'm getting to around to getting it set up and and learning some of the expansions. Um, Out of all the ones that I've played so far, and basically I've played almost all of them, I think, except for Crest Is that the – that's the, the mountain one with the big meeples, I believe. Uh, I haven't played that one, but every other expansion I played, New Leaf is probably the coolest one. Um, it basically adds like a train track to the side of the board, and visitors come in as well as train cars with resources in them. And you can pick up the visitor cards and add them as basically endgame scoring conditions provided you meet the condition. Um and it adds a few other features like these tokens that allow you to switch a worker. There's uh, these golden occupied tokens, which I guess only apply to the um, you know the visitors that you're able to pick up throughout the game. So overall, it just adds a bunch of good stuff that is, you know, Pearlbrook didn't really sit well with me. I thought that was the weakest of the expansions that I played. Not all of them really add enough to the game in a way that meshes cohesively with the rest of the design. New Leaf does, and I think it's excellent. And, um, Mistwood is basically adding a spider that you can play against. So like a solo version, but there's also, you can play it two player against the spider. And so my wife and I are going to try it, um, hopefully this weekend, we'll give it a shot to, you know, just try to see if we can outscore it. Basically, I think that's how the two player works. You just have to try to outscore the AI. So, um, Looking forward to that. I'm happy I finally got this down to the table because it's been sitting up there, shiny and new, and no one's played any Everdell <laughs> since I bought it. So I was happy to happy to get to set it up and play. And my God, that box is amazing. The compo- everything in there is amazing. All the components are amazing. It's so nice. Have you have you gotten yours out and played any
1: of it? I have the coffin. I, obviously, I, I removed everything from all the other boxes. Repackage them all back in the coffin. And unfortunately, once they were in the coffin, they've sat ever since. Sad. I want, want to play. I really want to play. I love, again, it, it's if, it's uh, the same love I have for Dale and Merchants and that world in, what is it, Snowdale, like yes. publishing is the same that I have with Sterling, right? I have to own everything. It's amazing. I want to play it right, so I always yearn to play. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's it's just such a vibrant game. Even though I don't yeah.
0: think it's the best game, it is a very vibrant game, and and that in and of itself just makes it fun to play. I think you get immersed in the little. Yeah, there's these little like I think you know because you looked at the game that when you got it in, but like they've added so much new art too, and like there's pigs and top hats and. Spider hmm. gentleman yeah. and like all kinds of things. Like I don't care about that from a gameplay perspective when you're playing and you see, you're just like, you know what? This is cool. Like this is the kind of stuff yeah. that adds enough aesthetic to a game to make you enjoy it a little more. And I think that's important anymore because there's just so much out there. It's hard to discern. Um, That's my playlist. Not as much as I wanted, but you know, we had uh, our last game night devoted to the old King's crown, which was a very wise choice. So why don't we uh, why don't we hop over to that now? Um, as I mentioned before, we were Bring it fortunately provided a press prototype um, by Erie Idol games and Pablo. So super big thanks to him and we're disclosing that now in case anybody wonders where we got a copy. It's a press prototype. We don't have an early copy other than you know that. It was in great shape though um, and you know other than some art missing. And the solo rulebook, it had everything in the box, and we were able to set it up and play uh, last Wednesday. And so it was you, me, uh, our friend Eric, and Kirby, who we've mentioned before, sat down for a full four-player game. Um, And we played it to completion, and I think everybody absolutely loved it. And we'll talk a little bit about your thoughts and my thoughts after the interview, but I'm just going to kind of talk a bit about the game first. So this is an upcoming Kickstarter. This comes out on Tuesday, October 24th is the launch date for the Kickstarter, and it's going to run for about a month. Um, We got to see a lot of the game in development over the course of the last year, or at least I did. I've been following sort of the artwork and stuff of Pablo, and as the game has developed, to get to see a whole bunch of it. the the game is one to four players. It's a strategy game, and there's a solo mode that got uh, added to it just recently before some of the prototypes went out to folks uh, designed by Richard Wilkins. Um, it's like a three to three and a half on board game geeks. So it's medium weight. There's a lot of uh, misdirection and, you know, sort of political intrigue and in play. There's, there's hidden information. There's bidding. There's lane battling a little bit with with the locations that you go for. Or the regions, I should say. There's a bit of hand management. There's a bit of deck building. You can combo some of your cards together. The factions themselves are asymmetric. Um, some have some area control abilities. Some have some synergies between their cards. It's got a lot going on for a game that really doesn't look too complicated on the surface. We talked last time a little bit. Well, and we talked and- with Pablo, too, about like it kind of being an oath-ish type game. And I think we were really wrong. At yeah. least a th- aesthetically, maybe a little bit, but not not really. Um, no, just go ahead. What were you going to say? We,
1: well, a couple of things. One, I know you you rattled off a lot of mechanisms or mechanics and and styles. Yeah. Um, um, and and it does it does dabble, and I use the term dabble because it's not like it's one thing or another. Um, because it just yeah, it takes... Exactly. It's like a pinch of this, a pinch of that, a pinch of this, a pinch of that, this thing, that thing. And then you wouldn't think like when you mash it all together, it makes something, but this recipe of this, that, the other thing, a pinch of this, pinch of that is really beautifully done. Yeah.
0: Pablo uh, spent over five years working on this game... Um, mostly yeah. I would imagine, you know, by himself to start, but as time went by, um, he got help from some other folks. He actually worked which, a little bit with some of the leader games folks, which we talked to him about in the interview, what we'll get to in a bit. Um, but he also had some help with some of the graphic design and some other things. So, uh, Andrew McKelvey came on board and, and the two of them actually founded, uh, Erie Idol games together. And I didn't know this, but we found out in the interview that they have, professional backgrounds in AAA video games um, and animation, which is a really cool thing to have had in your back pocket when you're going through designing a board game, because although they're very different mediums, there are some things that are common between the two. Yeah. And I think that probably helped Paolo when it came to design. And, and he kind of said a little bit as much too. Um, but before we get to the interview, I just want to note one well, more thing. Well, this to, game to, is beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Like really gorgeous. Go ahead, what were you going to say?
1: Yeah. I, well, no, no, no. I we can gush a little bit, right? And and um it is well done in all aspects from a graphic yeah. design to a component quality. And again, we just had a press copy. It's not it's even going to be better. That's the crazy part. I know. Right? I know. Um and um I think it's it's one of those things and I think some, you know, if if this resonates with people so be it. Um but we've heard this a couple times being uh consumers being backers or funders. Um some k- Kickstarter products or gamefound products are it's a campaign that's being sold to you. Not necessarily. Yes, there's a game there. But I have to tell you, this is a game first. This is a game first. This game is solid. It's polished. Literally, I thought the copy we had was final, right? Like and I know it wasn't, right? But it was that close. This game is that like this is on like the half yard line, (laughs) right? Yep. That's that's how how, that's how how far this game is along.
0: Yeah, um, and I, I would imagine as we go through our journey as media folks and getting to play more prototypes for games, that's not norm.
2: No, norm, I should
0: say it's not normal to see this level of development and polish, um, which just you know goes to show you that this is not just a game. This is a work of art and something that's been lovingly yeah.
1: crafted. So, yeah, let's uh, a- let's take. Go ahead. This is a this was this was a this is a passion project. This was a five year plus yeah. journey, uh, and you see that in almost every detail. Yep, um, you do,
0: and you feel it when you play too, like the refinements there, which we'll we'll talk about in our uh, opinions yeah. after the interview. So let's hear from the man himself, Pablo Clark, lead designer of the Old King's Crown and one member of the Erie Idol Game Studio. Let's listen in. All right. I am here with Pablo Clark. Thanks, Pablo, for joining us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, we are getting to talk a little bit about something that I personally am very excited about. I know Ken is now excited about because we played it over the weekend and a few other folks in our group are, which is an upcoming title you've worked on for, I believe, like five, six years now. So something like that called The Old yeah. King's Crown. Um we had an opportunity to play over the weekend over a Tabletop Simulator, which, by the way, is really good. It turned out great. I don't know if you worked on that directly or whomever did. You should give them a nice pat on the back and convince <laughs> yourself. Uh, but it, it's really, really it wasn't, nice. It wasn't me. <laughs> um, yeah. So just want to get to know you a little bit here. We're going to kind of dive into the Old King's Crown. We have a Kickstarter coming up in October. So sure. we want to try to talk a little bit about the game, build some hype around it we're pretty hyped. So, and we also want to learn a bit more about the inspiration for the game because it's, Mm. we're big uh, strategy gamers. We love take that. We love sort of the duplicity that this game has in spades. And so this is like right up our alley from a gamer standpoint. Um, So let's dive into all that stuff. So let's start with you. And I know you've been putting a lot of time into this project for many years. Do you want to kind of just give us your background a little bit in game design and sort of how you came to be on this path?
2: Yeah. Great question. So, uh, I have, I've been working on it for about five years. Um, and of that time, probably actually, you know, it's longer, but it, it started out small. Um, it was built from a, a deck of cards, like a traditional deck of cards. So if you, if you, um, if you pull apart the four different suits, you have the foundations of the four different factions in the game. Yep. Um, and And I just designed it from there, and the idea was it was uh a strategy game where you uh needed to to keep a hold of the cards that you had or you would or you would suffer attrition that was always in it this idea that that you wanted to like burn through your deck to get through good cards, but not not so many that you have kind of lost things and from there, we built a whole design around it and um, This is the first design that we worked on. Uh what I did was I started showing it to people. The reception was really good. And then we started playtesting it a bunch. So the, the design of the game came well in advance of the look of the game. And we had a few uh abortive ideas about how to illustrate it in different ways. I had a few different approaches um, that didn't look anywhere near as good as the one that we stuck with in the <laughs> um, and so, so yeah, and 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 so about three years ago, I started illustrating it, and by that point, we had a team of playtesters already around us, uh, and so so the the design just grew up over a long period of time, and we knew we wanted to spend time with it because we knew we were a small team, and that it was going to be self funded, and that it, it required, as it grew in complexity, it required that time to to mature and and for for us to and also it's just enjoyable like uh, in we were discussing before the call started the different professions that we work in i work, work in in video games normally those contracts uh or time windows are are sometimes really intense oh yeah and you have to do things in very short periods of time and here is the ability to kind of uh uh luxuriate in as much time as we wanted in some ways. I mean, we've still incurred that cost, right? I've had spent a lot of time working on it, but it's been a real pleasure to build something from scratch. Um, but it was our first design. And that was the other thing, because it was our first design. Sorry, i rambled a bit, but because it was That's why we're design, here. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. So because it was our first design, um, I wanted to be able to explore ideas and then for those ideas to, to not be so good and then to pull back from them and to... To just experiment uh, yeah. and that also led into what happened with leader games as well which we we'll talk about at some point anyway that's it that's the background
0: cool so yeah like the video game industry is notoriously uh mm. rough on mm. burnout and as a creative type I can't imagine having to work in scheduling confines like that sometimes like having mm. to turn around you know some of your best creative work for for those types of deadlines this had to feel like very liberating to get to design something conceptually, but then spend the time you want to make it look and feel as as beautiful as this turned out for the most part. So I think you got oh, the job you.
2: done there. Thank you very much. Appreciate that.
0: So you you mentioned Leader Games. I, I do have this on my list of questions because this is a, a head scratcher for me. And I've yes. met some other folks. We interviewed uh, Marvin Hegan from um, Nerd Lab who ended up working with Richard Garfield on a game called Mindbug. Um, right it's interesting to hear how people get networked to some other folks in the industry. You th- you think sometimes as an outsider, not a designer or whatever, that this industry is just massive, but it's very, um, it's small, very small, very close knit community. Uh, so how did you come across Patrick and Cole and Nick from leader games and how did that really relationship get started and, and move into helping you with, uh, with game development?
2: So, uh, again, the comparison with video games is interesting here because although there are plenty of uh, nurturing spaces in video games, um, in general, my experience is more with AAA games, and that can be a pretty cutthroat, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> intensely commercially driven space. Yep. And it, my experience of board games has been almost antithetical to that. Like, it, of course, there is money, and of course, there there are is an industry. But for the most part, people have been incredibly inviting and even in spaces that I thought might be quite cliquey and subdivided into different um, groups or different interests. I found generally people have been extremely accommodating and welcoming and inviting and generous of their time and their energy. So. With regards to the games, we had been working on the game for a number of years. And in 2002, so this was like we've been working for years at this point and illustrating it for about two years um, or a year and a half. And it was quite far along, and we were getting interest from publishers who wanted to, who just wanted to publish it. We got a lot of that. We got a lot of it's ready to go. And internally, design wise, we were always straining against the constraints of the design. Because we were interested in exploring more, as we said, we wanted to spend time to kind of develop it. And Leader Games were the first company that we kind of spoke to, and they were like, "Look, we really like the design, but you know, we think you can make it weirder, <laughs> bigger, bigger, and weirder." Right? They're good at that. They're very yeah, good yeah, at yeah. That. They are. They are. And those those were two of the things that we really wanted to do. And they were a company that that wanted to. There was part of that proposition that just challenged what we were trying to do and how far we wanted to push it. And for first-time designers, they essentially empowered us with all of their experience and their playtesting and their insight and their direction. They were great at empowering us to explore growing that design. Um, and it was it happened very organically. We were just We were talking online and we got the game in front of them and we showed it to them. And we started talking, and I think it was interesting for them as a company to look at this design that was coming from outside, but that had some of the hallmarks of their designs. Yeah, for so sure. it had been developed in-house, that the art had, had been developed in tandem with the, with the game, and that the game was trying to – the game was kind of strange. The, the, the design is quite strange. Like The round structure is strange, and the certain systems in the game are strange. Um And I think that appealed to them and and from there uh yeah, we just spent nine months they they <laughs> would they sort of uh, uh give us direction and almost like requests it's almost like they became the designers in a way on it, and we became the developers, so they would say you know we're we're curious about exploring this or i'd be interested in doing this, and it'd be something like challenging it'd be some idea that was challenging the notions of the game or pushing the game forward and so the game grew the core system was the same but the game grew in scope it was like all these systems kind of got blown out the way um so for example the kingdom cards and all those wild effects that you can do some of those were already existed but you could only do them once it's much more like clockworky and restrictive yeah and what they what they empowered us to do was go lose control of it a bit and just see how far you can you can push it out, and now we have a design that still surprises me. You know, which is great. A hundred, yeah, you know, hundred more games into it, uh, and thousands of play tests. It, it's still now the system is doing weird things where it, where it interacts in interesting ways, and that is just what a gift. So uh, amazing, and they were incredibly supportive, and are still very supportive. Um, but to be clear, they are not publishing the game, and. Like, like we didn't we didn't pay them i mean i owe them you <laughs> know kind of undefined amount of uh wealth but but um yeah no 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 like nothing like that if nothing
0: yeah. else some food at a at a convention maybe a, a right, nice dinner. right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you get, you get exactly. off a little easy there yeah we yeah. uh We've interviewed Kyle Farron from from Leader 2, and, and he kind of talked about their process as well. And um, especially in the creative side, they have the deadlines, you know, similar, but it's not like a AAA video game studio would be or whatever. Um, but the way they tend to operate leaves that space. And that's kind of I don't know if it's unique. I haven't really heard about that from a lot of other, you know, sort of companies you you hear a lot of like prolific one-off designers uh Mm -hmm. that kind of do that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff in their own time in their own space you know there's some obviously notable names in the industry but company-wise i don't know if that's a very common practice so you see that in their titles and it's kind of cool to get to see that applied here a little bit as well where they just kind of opened up the space for you so um i'm gonna let ken ask because i know he's dying to ask about the art but did you have another question you wanted to interject
1: with ken Yes, yeah, so I have a follow-up a little bit based on, you know, what Pablo mentioned about working with Leader and, you know, having some similarities between the games and, yeah, you know, that process of them providing feedback or giving ideas or, or their requests. Do you think there was a lot that were cut or were on the cutting room floor of some of their games that now they've provided you some sort of influence or, or pieces of it that are now potentially core to your game?
2: Sure, sure that's a really really good question um yes I, I i think I think there was probably things that even if it wasn't full designs of theirs, I think there was um ideas that as a studio they're either have explored or interested in exploring that that it was kind of maybe it was it was a way for them to kind of like speculate on those and, and see them kind of play out in some ways um but then I suppose what was maybe interesting for them uh, was to see what we came up with independent of that, uh, of that guidance. Like if, you, you know, so they, it was like, they pointed in a direction, like like they put up a sign and went, <laughs> I think we should go that way. But then we had to kind of walk over all the terrain and see, see like what there was. Um, yeah. And I, I do think, I do think this, it's strange. Like, like it gets compared to oath a lot.
0: Um, we did the same,
2: yeah. But I don't think it's—I don't think it's similar at all. And to be honest, I think that that both is like a profoundly ambitious game. Yes, in a, in a way that that like I don't want to—I don't want to badmouth my own game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think it's ambitious in its own way, but especially the amount of time we spent on it. But to be clear, it is not. Doing what that game is doing, that yeah. game, the the legacy, well, the legacy system in that game is remarkable. It's absolutely remarkable, and the way the the systems emerge in that game, I think, is remarkable. Um, in in a way that, that our game is is not. Ours is much more like a head to head dueling game in some ways. I think I uh, see
0: some of the oath comparisons in that the game. I agree with you. It's it's far different. I almost dub it a little bit like Oath Light in that it just kind of takes mm. away some of it, it just kind of abstracts away the card play and some of that making and forming and breaking of alliances or shifting, you know, the duplicity of what you can do with your faction onto others. That portion of it reminds me of Oath, but that you're right. Like, they're two very distinct things in the end, but there yeah. you can see, like, I don't know if you intended that during the design or not, but like right off the bat that is where my brain went because there aren't a lot of games that have like that set of core mechanics in that sort of package that work that way. So it's funny that you're, I bet you're going to, you probably already already have heard that comparison outside of just this conversation, which is, I guess is why you're saying it, but it's funny when you play them both and we've played what, eight games of oath. We have like a campaign Mm -hmm. started. They're not the same. So, and I also think sometimes too, like, maybe this is part of it, but like your art, which we're going to ask about in a minute here is ridiculously cool. And Thank the you. vibrancy of it with Kyle's vibrant art in oath almost makes people, you know, passively think there's some comparison there when that's not really true, Um yeah. which I don't know, Ken, if you kind of got that same feeling, just looking at it up front or not
1: a little, it's, it's, it's like you flip the board, Vertically, you know, orth, oath has sort of a horizontal presence to it, you know, and, and you, and you, you just have to adjust your thinking, you know, it, it, are these things going to be, are these regions going to be resolved top to bottom? Uh, you know, or, or again, they can come out randomly, you know, it changes, you know, every time because it's based on, you know, the last person on that initiative track or the last person or the, the person who has the least amount of victory points gets to decide how these regions resolve, um, which again is is important in the card play aspect of this game.
2: It's 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 interesting because I, I can't remember when Oath came out, but but like like we were deep into the design of this game before we even. I mean, I backed Oath on Kickstarter, <laughs> yeah, but I didn't like I didn't like play it. Um until it arrived. I didn't like play it on TTS or anything. I loved the the the, the pitch uh, and I admired their previous work. Um and I also really like Cole's s- historical games that he, that he designs mm-hmm. uh with with his brother uh, under the, the name Whirligig games. Um in particular Pax Premier, although I think John's company is fantastic as well, but Pax Premier is 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 amazing. Um and yeah, so, so a lot of games it gets our game sometimes gets compared to to Oath, but we were quite far on. And then uh Omen, which is is a game by John Cloudus from Smallbox Games. Or or like Battleline as well. Um I'd never played any of those games. So so, <laughs> so it was all this whole idea of like having lanes and stuff like that, that it that was not I, I don't I didn't I'd never played any of those games. So it was really I mean I love John Claudius's games now. Um, but, yeah, I only really discovered them fairly recently. Uh, and uh, yeah, so, so it's strange. It's strange. But then, then I imagine that you extract a lot of stuff organically, and, and you maybe take cues, and you don't realise you're taking cues. Um, I would say that the games, I played a lot of Cosmic Encounter. That's... Uh, Cosmic Encounter, and um, Old strategy games where like Fog of War was a thing, like war games, things yep. like that. Um, that was definitely a big thing. And then Citadel's, I really liked that that little card game, Citadel's. Um, I'd say there that like that was the the foundation. A lot of playing Cosmic Encounter in, in like after university. So the the uh, we talked a little bit about the art
0: style for the game and, mm. and just how kind of crazy it is uh, there's not a lot of folks in the industry that have sort of the aesthetic that you have um also the fact that you did all the illustration for this game is nuts to me because <laughs> there's some like beautiful high detail quality artwork in this game so uh cheers to that how did you develop your style uh Ken and I were talking a little bit last night when we were you know kind of previewing that we were speaking to you today um and Ken made the comparison about what was it like? Some stuff from the M- from MTV in like the '90s, like some of the like mm.
1: it's like a liquid television style, and and even going back farther, it's a, it's it's an animation style that was used in some old films like The Last Unicorn or Wizards. Um, I think even there was one called Heavy Metal. So I really got that sort of that vibe from your art style from those films.
2: Yeah. So, so, so that's spot on, especially like heavy metal on heavy hur- hurland? Uh I can't, I can't, I don't know how to pronounce it, but like there's a huge culture of uh, graphic novels and comics in mainland Europe. So I'm half Spanish. And so I sort of grew up and they're like comic books are available in like newsstands. It's it's like the most normal thing in the world to have like comics, and they're not really Marvel or DC, but rather they're 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 the own brand of like European comicing. and it's got this this tradition of it. So I would say that that's a huge part of it. And like heavy metal, people like Mobius. Although I, like I only came to Mobius fairly late. Um, I think a bunch of people who are inspired by Mobius, I'm inspired by. So there's Matthias Berger and Jordi Lefabre, and uh I'm blanking. Uh, Gillian Tamaki's great um yeah um uh, Simon Roy like, like a, a lot of a lot of kind of uh more modern illustrators that were informed by that european uh, style of comics that's a huge a huge influence um and then Studio Ghibli, huge. And then there's um, there's an author and illustrator called Mervyn Peak. Now our art styles don't look similar at all, but he he wrote this series of books, these kind of fantastical books about this sprawling castle called Gormenghast. And what I liked about it, I grew up like reading it as a kid. is It's incredibly dense, and it's fantasy, but without very much violence there isn't there isn't and there isn't like uh you know creatures and things like that it's all about this decaying castle and the castle is almost abstractly big it just goes on forever hmm. and it's all grown up on top of each other So that was a huge huge thing and then moving from spain to scotland i grew up in a little village by the coast with like a ruined castle in it and a bunch oh, of trees. Awesome. and yeah so it's it's like it was definitely around us and we grew up just being able to run around this village. (laughs) Huge, huge part of this. Yeah.
0: I, uh, spent a week in Edinburgh, uh, many, many years ago. Yeah. And just the architecture and getting to tour some of the castles and stuff like that is here in the U S there's like nothing like that. So getting to go over to Europe and see that history is, is very inspiring. And there's just so much of it in so many different places and yep. Edinburgh, in particular, was very. It stuck with me in terms of there's just some absolutely beautiful architecture and some very cool settings like that all over the place.
2: It is. It is. I think when history and the modern world kind of grow up on top of each other, you you get some really strange results. Edinburgh is really yeah. strange. Sometimes you have these ancient facades, or like uh, there's Carlton Hill, which has this huge victorian folly so just these columns that go nowhere yep and then you've got like a you know like a primark or something just down the road <laughs> it's real and that palimpsest of things growing on top of each other is has always been fascinating to me. i love that
0: yeah it's it's pretty cool um edinburgh was one that stuck with me and i very much would like to get back there someday with my family because it was it was a beautiful place to see. And I didn't get to do the hokey underground ghost tours. So at some point I want to try that. <laughs> okay. Cool. Yeah, uh, so we've got about 10 minutes left. Uh, I want to leave time for Ken to ask another question. I'll get one more in, sure. and then we're going to let you, you know, kind of plug anything you'd like to plug for the old King's crown campaign or anything else you might have coming up. So I'll turn it over to Ken for, for his last question. Perfect.
1: You mentioned you've been a backer of several Kickstarter campaigns. Uh, I think notably you mentioned Oath and, and, and some of the leader games. And I'm so happy that you mentioned John Claudus, um because uh, everyone really needs to follow what he's doing. Um, he, he's, I've been a big fan of his since inception of Kickstarter. So as a consumer or a backer, how has this altered or adjusted or potentially affected your approach to the campaign for old King's crown in late October?
2: How am I approaching it? I would say with uh, a a huge uh, amount of fear. (laughs) (laughs) I was expecting this answer. (laughs) No, Um, no, I look, uh, I think we are not the only company to try and do this but we we just want to make sure it it goes okay (laughs) yeah we've been working on it for so many years and i care about this thing so much and i put we've all done in small team put so much into it and then we've had the support of incredible people and now we have for example richard wilkins who's ricky royal online who's the designer of Uh, John Company's solo mode and Pat Spirino's solo mode, He is the solo designer on this game. So we've had all this backing and all this goodwill and it's all coming to this point. So we'd rather not squander that by then doing something that is never delivered or is, is, um, you know, untenable. So very broadly, it's it's pretty simple. We're going to have the base game um, and we want to make sure that that base game is very comparable to the thing that you will get at retail. And we want to keep that price as low as we can. Similar to Root. I think Root is a really good example of a game that is, somebody can take a risk on that game. Because the, the game is complicated and the game is strange in a lot of ways, but it is affordable enough, I think, within this luxury. I acknowledge this is a, like a luxury market. I right? nobody needs these things, um, but it is affordable enough and it's robust enough that buying just that game gives you a huge window into this world and it isn't overdressed with anything else. And then there is a bunch of other content that you can get for it, but it's affordable. You could walk into a shop, not know much about that game, and take a risk on it. And when you pick up the box, you realize it's really heavy, so it has a bunch of stuff in it, so you feel (laughs) like you're getting your money's worth. So we will have this base game thing, and then we will, if people want to, to deluxify it, we have um, a little expansion um oh yes oh you wanted to I'm raising by. my hand yeah. <laughs> yeah um so so uh we are going to have an expansion that comes from place of I'm really interested in old uh roguelike games and old first person shooters like quake and things like that that had mo- like um uh, Man in my heart like, like mutators, right? So, like, you take a match and you'd add a mutator and that changed the values on the things. So we have a bunch of ways that if people have played the game a bunch and you want to get weird with it, you can put this in. But you don't. we don't have to kind of um, – we don't have to preface all that stuff in the main retail version, right? right. So th- this is for people who, who want to, like, take the wheels off and just get experimental with it. So we have – this expansion and it will also have the deluxeified components. So if you just want the base game, it is there and you are missing nothing. But if you want to get bigger and weirder with it, we do have this thing, and you are going to get some sort of shinier things. Um, <laughs> and 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 the, the weird things that we add are like there's a wrap, there's a map randomizer. It takes place in another location, so the tiles are all separate, and so uh. you can be playing with with the wilderness and something else, and and so that allows. Uh, you know, kind of stranger setups. Um, and then we have a bunch of separate modules that you can put in, like the traveling bazaar uh, or the walking bazaar. Um, and it's going to, it allows for a negotiation window. And all things are up for negotiation. You can, you can trade cards, you can trade influence, you can do whatever you want uh, when that location is claimed. So it allows for like a bartering system. And then there's another one That travels around the map and it's a mercenary group. And you can take these neutral cards from them and add them to your deck, but people don't know which ones you've taken. So there's like an an assassin. And so then there's a bunch of table talk around what you've taken. And then at the end, the final person gets to claim that piece and then can use that as a very strong company's piece. And these are all just things that can get mixed in uh, if you if you want to and mix and match them. And there's a few other ones. Um, But that's what that expansion uh and then finally we'll have one final tier which is it's more like i don't know if you if you like the artwork and you just want to go all in there will be a bunch of art prints as well so yeah so. i was
0: going to ask about that with my last question i collect some game artwork and just some random artwork that uh i want to be able to hang up when my basement's finished in the game room and right. this one had some of the most interesting art uh, of anything I've I've bought other than Cosmic Frog and a couple other titles oh, so in the last good. few years. yeah. So,
2: Cosmic Frog is so good. It's yes, so it
0: good. is. Uh, so yeah, that was something I was going to check in on to see if there's going to be some prints because that's definitely something I think myself and I think a lot of others that really do appreciate. One of the great things about this hobby is the diversity of everybody involved in the design process and the wow. art process. You just get everything under the sun. And you kind of get more, you know, some, some illustrators you'll see more often than others, but then like one like yourself comes in out of nowhere with this amazingly different style that you have not really seen before. And you have to own a piece of that art wise. So well, I,
2: nice. I think it's
0: a great call. Um, the, I can say myself and I'm probably not underestimating, you know, hundreds of people will probably follow suit there because the art is just so cool. It's exciting. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Uh, We got a few minutes left. I just want to leave you time to just comment anything else that you want to plug about the Kickstarter, expansions, other stuff, and then we'll
2: let you go. Um, So, have at it. So, very quickly, uh, have you, just because you said you like Cosmic Frog, have you heard of a game called Dark Venture? I have not. Uh, Battle of the Ancients. I have not it is i mean it's more experimental but if you like root and oath I, I just came across it recently it seems really interesting and it's like made by one guy and he illustrated it all and it's kind of like a weird strategy game meets a like uh emergent rpg it sounds really weird and cool and check it out i'm sold um, i'm sold <laughs> yeah um yeah, actually ping me a message after this call if you've had a, if you get a look at it at some point and let me know what you think. It'll be, it'll be I be cool. will do and, so. So so the Kickstarter is coming the 24th of October this year 2023 um the if anybody is interested in backing it uh get it then don't get it in retail because <laughs> um when we sell things to retail they take those shops take all our money. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, no, I'm joking, but it's, it's I, I think, uh, I, you, you know, if, if you believe in the project, like like jump on board, we'd, we'd love to have you. Um, we have a website, the old king's crown, the old and from there you can find everything. So, we have the public prototype rulebook, we have tabletop simulator mod that you mentioned earlier. Uh, We have more information about the game that can lead you to Board Game Geek, uh, our Board Game Geek page where people can read about stuff. And that's what I'd encourage people to do. Like, if you're at all interested in this or you're interested in the kind of games that we've talked about, uh, like, discover more for yourself. All right.
0: Big thank you to Pablo Clark from Eerie Idol Games for joining us. It was awesome to get to talk to him great to learn more about this game yeah so all that being said we talked earlier that we played a full game four players um about a week ago and we want to i mean ever since then we both have had this game on our minds and we've been thinking Mm -hmm. about how it went and how it played so i'm just going to quickly describe how the game played out at a very high level and then let's talk a little bit about how you won spoiler alert and then we'll dive into thoughts on the game as a whole so We had four players. We just randomly dealt out factions. No one's played this before. I I shouldn't say that. We played a little bit on TTS, but not enough to really understand the asymmetric factions and how they affect the game. It's clear to me that every faction has a strategy, and you want to try to stick to that strategy. You won the game, and it didn't look good at the start. You had four consecutive turns where you were just getting screwed by everybody else, and that's a theme in this game. It can happen. But you stuck with it and over that time figured out exactly how your faction works. And you turned around and came roaring back to win this game. So kind of – let's pull the thread (laughs) there on the faction portion and explain to me how during that game – and I think this is a a tenet of the design that's good. How did you get to that point where you were just like, you know what? This is what I need to do with this faction. And and how did you do it?
1: So the faction I that that we're talking about is – uh, I believe it's called the gathering is the faction, correct? Yep, that's right. And, um, the gathering from what I understood in the beginning, uh, they're, uh, there, th- there's three things that make them, make them sort of different than the other factions. Um, the first thing is they have two extra cards that are added to your player board that eventually become part of your deck. No other faction has that. Okay, then The Place of Power is almost a mini game. Actually, that's a good point, uh, as I was saying that. This faction is a game within a game. And to Ryan's comments, I didn't figure out the second game until the fourth turn. But once I saw the game that I had to play, and it was a solo It almost had nothing to do with the other players. Then I was like, okay, I can do this. Then I do this. Then I do that. And then this happens. And then, and then it just all started like, like the box, like the Hellraiser cube started opening. Right. When I saw it. Right. Yeah. And, (laughs) um and then the amazing part was this, this faction also has this being, which is the highest creature, highest character in the game. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see the final art on it. And, I can't wait to see the final art on this creature, right? It's the, it's a 15 power monster, I think, or something. I don't know what it's going to look like. I'm super excited to see it. Um, but what's funny is, and that is unlocked in the place of power. You have to do it. I think it's twice, right? I had to do the initial unlocking. Yeah, the moon vault, I believe. Is the moon it vault. Titled. Yeah. The moon vault. Yeah. So I had to open the moon vault. Then the moon vault had to be powered. Then once the moon vault was powered, then I could extract this supreme being to my deck, right? And um, But what's funny is the other two cards, those are sort of small mini games that if I can get those unlocked, then those cards could help with the moon vault. Yeah, But, like, this whole time I was trying to do the quest, right? Because there's keywords. There's a lot of keywords in this game. However, the keywords are not complicated. And once you figure them out and you go through one time, you got it, right? It's super simple. Yep. But I was trying to – and there's only one spot out of six regions where you can do the questing to go to your place of power. But – and this was the piece I didn't realize is I was being thwarted every round because – Yes, I wanted to quest right, <laughs> and honestly, Ryan, I was like, "Why am I even playing this game?" It felt I like know. honestly, I felt I felt very defeated. You got because it's got like that face you get when I do get you I do made get that sa- face when you took a dump in your face. diaper as
0: a baby, and now you do it as an adult when you're not doing well in a board game.
1: <laughs> yes, I get that that uh, disappointed face. Um, but I started reading the faction more. I I I. I in all fairness, did not give it like a – I just was like, okay, I just got to go do that. Fine. That's the key. But that's not it. – it, it, it. that's a factor of it. But the, the deck and the faction itself allows you to still play with your place of power without winning that region. But you have to strategically work that in. And I didn't – it took me four rounds to see it. However, once I saw it, you sort of hear the – that hallelujah, like you hear it in your in your head, and you're like, okay, now it's on, right? And yeah. then I was able to sort of play the game or, or play the faction as it was meant to be played. So I loved that there was puzzles within puzzles, but it wasn't like overcomplicated. Like it wasn't, it's not difficult, but but the it's
0: feasible in a game,
1: yeah. But, but the execution is where the, 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 the art is, right? How do I execute this plan? I need to do this. If I can't win this, how do I still accomplish that? And the deck is beautifully crafted to give you the, to, the, to give you the pieces so that you can unlock that big beast. And then end game, you can't compete with a 15 power character on the board because you're borderline out of the, the little, uh, the little ships, right? You, you're you out of cards, right? Because a lot of stuff has been discarded. Everything's been pitched from the game, right? Like yeah. that thing late game is, is God, you know? And it doesn't matter and, and where you play it.
0: To note right? too, on your way to acquiring that, you also picked up a fair <laughs> amount of, of influence, <coughs> which is the victory point. Uh, total. So you were yeah, working so, in a four player game. You have to get to 15 to win. You were sitting at like three, four for a while. And then all of a sudden, in yeah. a few turns shot yourself way up, it, into, it, it into was, the eight, it was eight, 10,
1: it was 12. And then we were neck yeah. and neck and I'm like, all right, I think I can win, but I have to make sure. Cause I would imagine the tie is whoever has the most. Right. So I have to stop. I have to stop someone from getting two, but I need to still get three. Right. So it's like, yeah. you know, Again, multiple chessboards, right? Trying to play multiple chessboards, and it's everyone versus everybody, right? And you don't know who's screwing you at any point, right? Because cards yes. are moving around, things are happening, you don't even know. So it's just sort of like it's not random. I don't want to make sure. I don't want to. I don't want it to feel like RNG, but like you're just like, all right, I'm I know, gonna, it's still I, I set. My best plan. I set my best plan out there. We'll see how it happens. What happens, and then I'll adjust and pivot as needed. Right. But Yeah. Um,
0: and the, that's part of the game but, too, is if your plan doesn't go well, did you hold enough cards back to make sure the next turn it does? And, yeah, and that so, is a cool part to the game.
1: So I want to also like, uh, I know it's like, oh, MTG versus or meets of oh, it's <clears throat> again, it's not, it's not that it, it's got, it's got um, hints or you can see the homage to those things. But this game is very unique. Um, yeah, I've never played anything quite like it. No, because um, like I think the the closest thing we said right. Well, so it's funny. I'm going to add another one, and I just thought of it as we were going, as we were talking, and as I was listening, and I re-listened to the interview. It's uh, we did talk about this right uh, on one of our podcasts. It was a game called Imperius,
2: and it has a little oh, yeah. bit
1: of Imperius style to it. Right. Which is awesome. And that's, that's not an, you know, that's, that's a good thing because Imperius is, is very unique and special. But where I think it also pulls from, which again, I don't know if it was the, I don't think it was the intent at all, just based on the years, is that Lord of the Rings card game where you have to make decisions on the cards because you may not see them or you might have to sack them for the game in order to keep moving forward. And, that was key to my faction, was making sure I lost certain things so that I could sack them and trigger those bigger, badder cards. But you had to you had to see that. And once I saw it, I was like, oh, I got this, you know? Yeah. And and you know when to pull your ships back because you know you're not going to get to your discard pile again. So who cares? If they're out there, die. Let them go. Let them be removed from the game. You're never going to see them again pull your ships you're Just talking that about the extra, companies the companies i'm sorry are they i, I, I apologize yeah. they look like little ships the little tokens i didn't know but, what the hell
0: you meant but then i remember yeah, they
1: did the, look like ships yeah, <laughs> sorry sorry um but like those uh those can really sway a battle right um and if you have the advantage there that could be you know that could be the game right and that actually i think ended up being a factor because people, other people didn't pull stuff back knowing there was only going to be one or two more rounds. So, but just planning ahead, yeah. you know, it's got, it's, it's chess-like in its, in its thinking ahead. Um, I, I think I compared it. We talked. It's like a, it, it's very Dota. If you've ever played a Dota, uh, online video game where you need to know your faction inside and out. But more importantly, you need to know what the other three factions have to do in order to do, do the counter and. I oddly feel like mine was the only faction that got to sh- see what the faction is truly capable of in our game. Yeah, I figured mine um, out way too late. And that's not a knock to the other players. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not I didn't mean that to like sound negative or, or like be to dig. It was just I saw it. I, I don't know if anyone else saw it in theirs. You know, because it's not, yeah, I, it's I, I not like, delete. it's not build orders. Like, do this, then do this, then do that, then do this. And honestly, another game, I sort of feel like, maybe it was just this faction, but uh, I'll have to try the other factions to see, but uh, Villainous is very much like this, right? There's core game mechanics, there's core ways to play. You place cards, you do this, you move upon, you do this, you do this action, you do this, you do that, right? All core. But what you're trying to do is solve a different puzzle than your opponent and who can get to that puzzle faster and efficiently. Right. Because every, every, every villain and villainous is, is unique. Right. They're, they're asymmetric with air quotes, you know? Um, yeah. So I think maybe that's where this faction, uh, once I saw it, because the thing with villainous is they give you a little strategy book. It's like a little three page pamphlet that says, this deck wants you to do this. These cards help you do that. And then this happens and then that happens and then you execute. And if it works, it works. This doesn't give you that little cheat sheet. Really, you have to find it. And it's funny. I want to try more factions, but I also want to see if I can get that guy under the table faster next time. Now that I know how to play the faction, you know, (laughs) like, um, but I was, I was blown away by this game. It's, it's very unique. It's very special. You can, you can feel the love, the blood, the sweat, the tears that went into this. yeah. There, again there's nothing like this out there there again there are pinches but just a pinch it is not like anything else uh and that's yeah that's saying something right because everything is just In an oversaturated market yes <laughs> yes yeah yes yeah and
0: um, i i felt the same way i mean you said a lot of it beautifully it's sorry this I, is very I much know a I unique No, no, no. It's good. uh, This is why we're here to talk about this, because it was was a hit. I sat down expecting something, and I got what I expected and more, which is always a wonderful thing to come away with when you play something. Um, I did not dig into the faction enough, because I tend to, and I think a lot of players do this with games that have asymmetry in them, they don't focus on the faction right away. They focus on the gameplay and figuring out how to play, and the factions come later. And I think you kind of were so disenfranchised with the early gameplay because things just didn't fall in your favor that you were looking for other ways and found it. I didn't Ryan, find mine I, until much I later. I felt like this was it was I, too late.
1: Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I felt like this was no, almost going to get in that Hanza category for me. Like I was really, <laughs> I was, I was tough. I was like, I was like, what am I doing wrong? I can't do anything with this faction. Do I not have? Well, like, it, am I? It wasn't powered. Like you, like. No, I get it. Like, it I, wasn't you. Yeah, I didn't realize that's, that's the thing to walk you know, away with is that this yeah, game like, is a little mean,
0: right? At times, there's a little yeah, bit it's, of it's, it's not take that. It's something else. It's like, I'm going to assassinate well, not, one of your key cards or prevent you from taking these locations when you really need it to accomplish the goal for your faction. I and mean, there's a lot of that counterplay in there, which is good, but there's yeah. always a way around it, right? There, like you mentioned, there's you have to be able to play in such a way that you're easy, you're easily able to pivot if you want. And yeah. I, I just realized too, we didn't really talk about how this game is played.
1: <laughs> I know, we, we throw, just jumped right in. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, we tend to do that because we want to no, talk about our thoughts. Yeah. But, uh, and I will throw a link into the, uh, into the show notes to, to a YouTube video that I saw Pablo posted on, on Twitter or X or whatever it is. Um, that someone else did that kind of explains the gameplay. So you can get familiar with that. So if you're really interested in seeing how it's played in more detail, check it out. Uh, I'll, again, I'll throw it in the show notes, but you really didn't say anything or I, I don't really have anything to say that you haven't already said. I will say that um, I love well, more than anything. I, I love political intrigue, drama, manipulation in, in games. The card manipulation in this game between the cards themselves, the tactics you have available, the fact that you may not have tactics available, all that combined together, there's so much tension every round. And I love that. I love when you get to the point where you hit summer and you've you know assigned your companies and at that point you can see people or this is where they're putting their strength. Do they mean it? Are they going to retreat? Is there something else going on? There's all that intrigue that lo- that flows into the game at that time. And then in the autumn, when you start flipping cards over to see what's going to happen, the tension is so juicy you can bite through it. And well, every single time we got to that point, I loved the resulting drama and banter and, oh, shit. Like, you know, you just yeah. – and we're playing with well, The fact that we know that, friends,
1: so that helps. Well, but then the fact that, like, before you put your cards out, right, in that phase, you had to go around and ask, does anyone have a tactic open that can do this, right? Or can you do this, yes. this round? Knowing that, that that plays into how you play. Now, you could revert, you could yeah. psych yourself out, it could actually come into factor, but that's the beauty of it. You don't know until those cards flip up. And that's where you mentioned about take that. It's not necessarily, I wouldn't consider it take that, right? Because there no, is don't a lot of diplomacy, right? Like, there are powerful cards that you can get to make your faction stronger, but you have to give someone else victory points, right? Right. So it's like a weird yes. catch-up mechanic where if you get this power and this ability, you are going to skyrocket. It is going to put a little bit of a, a little bit of a fuel in your engine, right? But there's a trade-off. You have to have something you bring someone along the way, right? And yeah. I love I that the balance, cards,
0: you know. Yeah, the cards that are in the old road, which is a whole separate sort of it's not an yeah, official location even, in yeah. the game, but a place <laughs> where you can compete for, you know, special cards that you just talked about. That adds a whole nother dynamic to the game. And when we played, you only take 20 cards out of a very large deck of, of cards that yeah. go in there. Um, and then there's the constant weighing of, I really want this card. And so if I really want this card, I have to play a card to the old road that is a high enough value that I guarantee that I'm going to get there first and get it. But then you lose that card for a little while, potentially. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that mechanic also is just like this constant weighing of – what you want versus what you need. Um, You almost have to not go for that kind of stuff when it doesn't make sense because you're potentially screwing yourself in other ways in subsequent turns. And and that type of chess-like forethought that you mentioned is there. And it's funny, the game doesn't seem on the surface complicated enough for that actually to be the case. The the game is not complicated. The
1: game isn't, the game isn't complicated. That's right. That's the beauty. It's not a playing through a, a, a game. turn
0: or a round. Yeah, exactly. It's
1: exactly. It's, it is just, it is, it is it's a strategic, very well done. <laughs> yeah. It's a strategic tactical crunch fest, right? Because yes. you're also playing mind games with yourself, right? Like, this is what I want to do. Or, but if someone does this, then that's going to happen. And this is going to happen. So then I'll just, I'll do this to counterbalance that. And then. And then none of that even happens and you still maybe win something that you weren't trying to win. Right. Or you lost something that you knew you were going to win, but you didn't because you, you, try, you psyched yourself out. Like I love that type of, yep. you, you, you use tension, right? It It's like a, you're like a solo tension. Um, yeah. And, uh, so I'll, I wanna, I'll add in, oh, go ahead. Well, I want to swing back to the old road real quick, right? The, uh, like that's an optional place, right? But like some of us, we started out, oh, we'll just put four cards, right? But adding that fourth card to the old road could actually screw your other regions. So, potentially yeah. not playing in the old road could help your strategy. And I got burned on that accidentally, not realizing it or not seeing yeah, it.
0: with the card swapping.
1: And I was like, ah, oh. because I just put a crappy card there that did nothing because I just wanted a free card, right? Like a free ability. Yep but like by putting that fourth card out there i screwed up a region that i needed to win and i was just like uh yeah. when it happened you're just like god i'm dumb you know like oh <laughs> like,
2: you just well, feel you so defeated that's, but but
1: that's the learning. thing that's the beauty of this game like it's not it's not soul crushing it's just like uh oh, don't do that again oh okay i get it like you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah there's only so much like beating down you taking a game and then you start to understand it and and adjust and pivot. I will say a couple quick things before we close out um, our our discussion about what is now one of my favorites in my collection, even though it is just a press (laughs) prototype. And that does not mean I'm not backing this campaign because I absolutely am. I had fun. Uh, Games are supposed to be fun. Our group tends to lean towards stuff where there's some of that drama, some of that tension, some of that, push and shove. Um, and this game delivers that in spades. And for our group, I just had so much fun playing this. Yeah. Um, is this for everybody? No, it's not. There is some, you know, take, it's not take that, but it's incidental. Take that, that some people just aren't okay with in their games. There's also some, a little bit of, I don't want to say it's King making, but a little tiny bit of King making that is potentially
1: possible. When Again, everything choices is of who to choose everything is a pinch because it's not one thing it is like yeah. a pinch of 20 things right it's the whole like
0: gaming a, spice drawer dropped into a bowl yeah. and made into a fine pizza that we consumed
1: yeah, yeah so, it's uh, it's that it's that drawer in your kitchen that holds the random everything but yet somehow yeah. you always you always know what you know oh that's you need crazy glue. Oh, it's in that drawer. Oh, is that where the exacto knives are? Yes, that's where that is. What about a, a paperclip? Oh, they're in that drawer. Like it's got a little bit of everything, you know, like, and, yeah. and, and I don't I, mean it to, a, you know, as in a negative. It's a very positive thing that they, they have all these bits, these, all these pieces, you know, it's like the Swiss army knife, knife of a game, but it just works and it's unbelievable that it all works together. There are people that have been yeah. trying to do, you know, they can't combine two mechanisms and make it fun at all. This is, <laughs> you know, like.
0: Yep, it's I don't it's know. five years in the making. The polish shows. Uh, is this game for everybody? No. If it's something that you, you do enjoy, where it's a little bit of drama, political intrigue, uh, card play, hand management, deck building, so on and so forth, this is definitely something you should check out. The Kickstarter, uh, like I mentioned earlier, opens on uh, October 24th and will run for around 28 days. I would imagine that this game is going to be very popular on crowdfunding. And I also would imagine that, um, you know, you're going to see when we talked with Pablo, he mentioned some like potential expansion content. I think this is going to do so well that I think you're going to see expansion content for it. And although the, the, the Kickstarter doesn't have any of that included in it. Uh, I do have the tiers here. There's a base game. It's around um, with between 50 and 60 us dollars. Uh, if I got my prices right with conversion here, cause I'm bad at that. Um, that comes with all four factions in the solo mode, wooden meeples, the beautiful art, there's going to be a base game and then a Wild Kingdom expansion. So assuming nothing changes between now and the time the Kickstarter launches, an expansion will get included in the next tier, which is around like $80, $90 US. Um, and then the all-in, which is the base game expansion, and then a whole bunch of high-quality art prints is going to be over $100. Um, I'm buying that one because, good lord, I want those art prints. The art for this game is gorgeous. Pablo has gotta- a very unique style. I can't wait to get – a, a little peek at what those are going to be because it's it's definitely. So I, I'm collecting board game art now, finally, and <laughs> those are going to be on the wall without a doubt.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I got to see what that creature is that's in the move at 15 power. Yeah, I got to see. Uh, what there's it's so look much.
0: Like. Yeah, there was so much art that was placeholder in the pro- press prototype that there's so much yeah. we haven't seen yet. I'm so excited to see all of it. Um, so yeah, it's- that is that is going to sum up our our.
1: Play so, well, hold, on,
0: and hold on, experience. Hold on. Oh, you've got more. Oh, no, no, bad. no.
1: I, I don't want it to be a review, right? I, I think, but I think people can it's clearly not. deduce. <laughs> people can clearly. It's deduce. It's a press prototype. No, no, I get that, but I'm just saying in general, right? Like knowing how far this game is along, how much is done, how you know. I think you can hear the way we talk about this. This is a very, very special game but it's fun and we're going to play it and talk about it more. That's that this is this is another staple in our collections. Yeah. So take that for what it's worth, right? It's some of the comparisons I gave you guys earlier, right? Uh Villainous, um War of the Ring uh, Lord of the Rings the card game, Imperius. If you like those games, this game will you know be, feel like that in in ways for you. That's not a bad thing because no, it's not just I one of what you those. said earlier. It's, it's you know,
0: it's greater than the sum of its parts, and yeah. and all the all the attention to detail, the refinement, the art, everything works together so well to create a package well, that I'm guaranteed to back this October.
2: Well, here's a,
1: here's another thing too. Right there was there's a a piece of everyone's faction. Oh, sorry, I, I don't want to belabor this, but I love this part. I forget what it's called. What is the piece that where you can earn that um, that three turn? gauge that you put in your player board. What is that called, Ryan? Uh,
0: it's when you win the battlefield. It's called
1: the collaborator disc. The collaborator disc, right? So the collaborator disc was another key to my victory because it had two powers. I could either put a victory token from the supply on my place of power or the, or the moon vault, or I could make people discard cards and mill them. If I just stayed milling the the entire team, the entire game board, and everyone's deck, that would have been insane, just doing that. And honestly, there was part of me that I was like, I could just do this all day. (laughs) I was like, I I could almost, it almost would have felt like I played Blue Magic again, right? Like, (laughs) doing that. Um, but I chose the other at path, right? I chose the, the moon vault path to get that big baddie out and everybody's collaboration was amazing. And I don't think people saw how powerful that is until it was too late. And that was too far. Um, yeah, I think we'd all play it differently if we played it
2: again. Oh for my sure. God. I know I would games. Maybe not so, you, but I would, <laughs> well,
1: <clears throat> I got things I have to tweak. Definitely. Um, I think I can get there faster, or that would be my goal, right? Yeah. I, I got I got I there won't. eventually, but now it's like, okay, all right, now I can do this, then I do this, then I do that, if it all comes to fruition. If not, then I can do that. Like, it's amazing. Like, I couldn't stop thinking about the game the whole way home, right? And that's a, you know, a 50-minute car ride, and I just I, – I couldn't stop. It's so good. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I'm gushing. I
0: praise for something that sticks with us for a while, so – the, that's going to do it for our discussion. Huge thanks to Pablo for joining us for an interview. Huge yes, thanks thank to Eerie Idol Games and Pablo for providing us with the press prototype. We are going to play again next Wednesday, so we're going to talk some more about this game next episode as well. Um, and hopefully you all – it sounds good to you, and if it doesn't sound good to you, you're crazy. Uh, but go on Kickstarter, October 24th, Old King's Crown. The Old King's Crown is going to launch that day. Back it. I think for the price that is being launched at for the game that you get, you can't beat it. Um, even if it's not your cup of tea, it's probably still going to be an amazing game to play with friends. Uh, it's it's fantastic. And the art alone is going to help this Kickstarter just do so well because it is beautiful. I've said that like three times. It's just beautiful. So big thanks to Pablo. Big thanks to Erie Idol. And we'll talk more about this game in the future. You can bet your, your arses on that. All right. <laughs> Let's get into uh, our backed bot list before we close it out. Um, I'll start because mine's pretty small as usual. <laughs> Elf Creek Games. I had backed Honey Buzz and Paradox Initiative. I meant to, mentioned this earlier uh, in an earlier episode. I finally got both my refunds. So I got back like almost 300 bucks. sans the uh, Kickstarter or whatever. Percentage they pull off the top that that the uh, you know the vendor doesn't get back. Um, I don't think those are ever going to fulfill. I feel bad doing it, but at the same time, like it's my money, I should be able to get it back if I want. And I don't think those games are fulfilling. Elf Creek is in a really bad state. I hope they can get things sorted out, but it sounds like it's not really going so hot. Um, and both of those games don't seem to be in the near future. So. Uh, I'm going to use that money at Pax, and I also ended up using some of it, or will be shortly as the campaign closes out. On we talked about this last episode, a Deep Rock Galactic expansion. Uh, So I have the base board game, and uh, not base. Sorry, I have the Kickstarter exclusive, and
1: (laughs) you know they launched. Don't shit on those details.
0: Yeah, (laughs) they launched an expansion campaign for two separate expansions. One is uh, the biomes expansion. The other is a space rig. Space rig offers a whole bunch of stuff for gameplay. Biomes is just kind of more monsters, more terrain types. uh, Some of the stuff that's in the the video game, like exploding mushrooms and all kinds of other crazy stuff. So um, I backed the space rig expansion, but not the rest because the prices are insane. It is way too highly priced in my opinion. Uh, you get a lot less in the expansions than you do in the base game. You pay a lot more. I don't really see a whole big draw personally from the biomes expansion. Um, it does add some cool stuff. It does add a, uh, uh, um, oh my God, why uh, Dreadnought. Thank you, Ryan, for remembering words, which is one of the largest <laughs> monsters in the game. Um, words are hard. Yeah. And there's also some add-ons. There's a bulk detonator. There's a core lock tyrant weed. There's a few others, but I just decided to go with the, more affordable version of just getting the space rig expansion. So I'm very excited about that. And then vagrant song. So uh, we talked with Kyle Rowan a while back uh, from weird. And he is the lead designer of vagrant song, which was my favorite game of 2022, even though it came out in 2021. Uh, I played the ever loving hell out of that game it is still one of my favorite games of all time. They're launching an expansion, which basically adds to the game as well as sort of reinvents the base game so that you can play it through a second time. So that expansion is on Kickstarter right now, and that is also getting backed. And I am very excited to get back into Vagrant Song again with all the new content. That looks fantastic.
1: Now, that is bot- music to my ears. Thank you very much. I was nervous. <laughs> I was a little nervous. Oh, yeah. No,
0: that's uh, that's an auto for me. Um, and and but I'm very happy to-, to hear that. Just to let everyone know, we're going to have Kyle back on the show to talk about it once the campaign closes out um, and hear how things went and just uh, catch up with Kyle, who was an, uh, another awesome guy to talk to. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting a chat with Kyle again, but that is absolutely going to join my collection because Vagrant Song is just so, so good. It is such a good game, um, oh. and I'm excited for what the expansions <laughs> are going to add. Backed, that's all backed, bought, nope, nothing bought. Uh all my money's going towards that and then getting saved for packs, baby. I can't wait. How about you? What do we got in the list? <laughs> I know you got a few that I'm excited to play.
1: Okay, not no. one
0: one by a particular uh fellow who we've also interviewed.
1: Yes, so as far as backed, I've been a good little boy. However, I have backed one game. Sort of. It's a game. But um and I guess we'll do a little uh, foreshadowing. On Kickstarter, just ended a little bit ago, was a print and play for $5 called Battle Card by David Thompson and Niles Johannes Yohannsen. You're You're Hansen Right? Yes. Which, if you know our podcast, if you've listened before, these are the designers of War Chest. And Ryan, now that I'm saying this... We did play a game we didn't talk about. Oh, yeah, that's right. We did. Save, let's save it for next episode because I want to talk we more will. about we that. We will. yeah. So, um, you know, Ryan mentioned this to me, and I was like, why are we not buying this? So I threw five bucks at it. So I have Battle Card coming. Uh, I guess it's, again, a print and play dice placement solitaire game. So I'm excited. Uh, it looks good so that was the pedigrees there <clears throat> so that was my only backed game now i did do a little purchasing actually hold on before i get to more purchasing i did get a kickstarter fulfill finally that was supposed to fulfill in 2022 of it was supposed to be fulfilled in june of 2022 at the time of this recording it was october 20 2023 so a little ways off and I got the expansion and the additional miniatures and the big storage box for a game called Adventure Tactics. I feel like I mentioned Adventure Tactics really early on in, like, one of our first couple podcasts. Yep. Yes, you did. Um, this is a amazing co-op, sort of dungeon-crawlish, adventure campaign game. Where the leveling up system is second to none. It's chef's kiss on how well you can level this game, your, your characters up and, you know, then pick a different class if you want or dual class. It's just so well done. So I'll have some pictures up on our Instagram of the, what, what was it? Six, seven boxes that then fit into this again. Uh, this coffin. It looked like you were getting <laughs> like, ready to move. <laughs> right. I mean, the box that it came in could fit my nine year old. Like it was so big. The box that's all shipped in. <laughs> it was crazy. So, um, so that is a, a piece of Kickstarter news that has, has arrived, which I was very happy because this is a, it's a really good game. And I, uh, you know, I was like, Hey, why don't we play this? You know, I was just, you know, starting poking it around the, the house, so I'm hoping that uh, it, it sees the light soon. Somebody bites. Yes. So, in addition to that showing up, I think I mentioned it on a couple podcasts ago. There was a game coming out called Spellbook. And I, at the time, don't think I realized who was designing or who the designer of Spellbook was. And I found out it was our friend, Mr. Phil Walker Harding. Uh, so, I immediately, in addition to needing to get another Phil Walker Harding game Uh the retail stores had exclusive familiars for the game that you can only get at retail. So I called our buddy up Carl at our local game store. That's near our work. And he had a copy and the promo uh, familiar. So he set it aside for me. And of course I couldn't just go to a game store and just get the one thing that I went for, right. Or That I was being held. So I added a couple more things. Uh, to the to the to the list. I got uh a two player. I think it's trick taking ish or trick taking adjacent. New game from Devere called Yokai Sketch. Uh, this is a huge. This was going to be a big hit this year at Essen. Uh, which also, it's weird that this is an Essen release, but yet it also hit U.S. retail. I don't know if they did that intentionally because people that couldn't get to Essen, but I liked it regardless. And my other game that I picked up. It's called Romy Rami, which is a small uh, card game, which is a little bit of a, I guess it's a modern take on Rummy. So these small box card games, uh, I'm just looking forward to, to to getting to the table. But they both were, you know, sort of a buzz or or, or being thought of as a buzz uh, coming up in Essen Fair. So those were that was my purchase. Uh, or my trip to the game store. And the only other thing that showed up, I pre-ordered it. I mentioned it earlier in comparison or, or, or in our discussions around the old King's crown uh, was Disney villainous put out a single uh, villain pack and it is Oogie Boogie from the nightmare before Christmas. Oh, nice. So, so that has arrived and it was something where my son was like, Oh, Oogie Boogie's in it. Maybe I should play villainous. I'm like, I'm so much villainous. Stop teasing me that you're gonna play villainous with me. Like That's what it took Oogie
2: Boogie.
1: Oogie Boogie to get my son to give a give a, give a crap about villainous. Where villainous is like such a modern masterpiece of a game. I love it. Um so that is my uh backed bot, buddy. Not bad. We uh did pretty well
0: for a while, not adding a whole lot. Now we're starting to get back in, but Kickstarter has been lighting up with some goodies lately. And, and the old King's crown being in October is yet another one. That's going to get, get money yes. through in its way. Cause uh, I don't know if you guys could tell, but we really liked it. So, all
1: it's right, good one. <laughs> that's going to
0: do it for us tonight. Thank you all again for joining us. You can find us on the internet, the web, as it's called by the young folk these days, at www.playgameslosefriends.com. You can check us out on Instagram at PlayGamesLoseFriends or on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, at PGLFShow. You can also email us with questions, comments about the show, or anything that you want to talk about at PlayGamesLoseFriends at gmail.com. Please help us out. We need you guys to go leave reviews on whatever you listen to your podcast to, Spotify, Google, Apple, doesn't matter. Leave us a review, rate us, subscribe to us helps us get the show out to more folks. And that's something that we're really trying to do is grow this out more and get the word out for some of these cool games that we get to play that we want to share with everybody else. Big thanks to Pablo Clark and Iriato games for providing us with a press prototype copy of the old King's crown and for sitting down with us for an interview. It was a pleasure speaking to him and we hope we can have him back on the show to hear more about the campaign after it's completed and successful. And I have no doubt it will be all right. I think that's it. Anything I missed?
1: No, I think you hit it. So, rate, review, subscribe, hit us up. Um, you know, love us we like are we here. Yeah, we're here if you need us. Yeah. Ask us questions. Tell us what you want us to talk about. Teach me how to play tapestry.
0: We could even do that. Yeah, I mean, he definitely I asked, needs
1: I help. Need. I need it. He, de- he definitely God. needs help because I'm, I'm. All I right. Too. I, I don't want to teach him. I just want to keep beating him. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to beat my ass in it. That's fine.
0: I understand. <laughs> There's very few things you win at. That's one of them. So. And the old King's Crown, let's let's be honest. Smash is pretty good there. All right, that's going to do it, folks. Thanks again for joining us. We'll be back soon. We've got more interviews lined up, so stay tuned. We're looking forward to getting to talk to those folks and have your ears tuned in again. In the meantime, play games, don't lose your friends. Have fun,
1: and goodbye. Later.